Are you kind of getting tired of the greening of evangelicalism? <laughs> the latest new evangelical agenda sucking at time, energy, and money is the effort to save the planet from destruction by people. We now have evangelical environmental networks. We have a Creation Care magazine signed by several hundred evangelical leaders. You might have seen it, college presidents, seminary presidents, pastors, teachers. They issued a call to care for the planet, to heal the damaged fabric of the creation, to work for the healing of the earth. But it goes from that very grandiose thing to we must focus on stopping global warming or the polar caps are going to melt and we're all going to drown. And I just want to say, have you ever seen a rainbow? Because every time there appears a rainbow, this is the promise of God that He will never again destroy the earth by water. Relax. Damn, I'm Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group. We're the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group, find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. We haven't met. My name is Jonathan Carone, and we're joined, as always, by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. What is up? This is the uh, least controversial podcast on the internet, we can guarantee, especially this season. <laughs> I was told recently when I posted a clip of our same-sex marriage episode that that was evidence of me having one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And that explained uh, the rest of my takes because I think that I could have my religious views and not apply them to everyone else's government. So that's how this season's going. Or that you could think critically about individual situations for which the Bible is not explicitly clear. Imagine that. But hey, if you're seven episodes into the season or if it's your first one ever joining us, thanks so much for being a part of here. That opening line from the show, we start every week with and in a normal season with a, a fun youth group story, but this season's something to go along with the topic. It was from a talk John MacArthur did on environmentalism where he mixes theological ideas with just a typical John MacArthur disparaging attitude that looks hmm. down on anyone who disagrees with him or in this case cares for the planet. So there, that whole video is on YouTube if you want to go watch it. I wanted to pull it out to show a typical argument about what many of us were taught in youth group growing up. But yep. before we get more into that, I do want to lay the ground rules that we've laid down every single week at this week. At this point, if you're with us all season, you can probably quote these, but here we go. This season is not about trying to convince you to vote a certain way. It's not about telling you why you should vote for one part or the other. And it's not about shaming you into feeling guilty about who you voted for in the past or who you plan to vote for in the future. What we are about is looking at how some topics have been co-opted by politicians who have used the church for political gain. It's about showing how there are issues Christians must care about while acknowledging the liberty we have to come to different conclusions on how best to fix those issues. And that is today in a nutshell. It's also about reframing the role of politics within our Christian worldview. So if you clicked on today's topic, you know we are talking about climate change and the role Christians play in that. Eric, 
you've lived in different parts of the country than I have. Yeah. What is the Christian view of climate change in the areas you have been around? Um, for the most part, the Christian view of climate change is a lot of what, what we're talking about with John MacArthur. Even either uh it is it is such a low uh priority on the list. We don't want to talk about it. And anytime it comes up, it's just a false flag, a dog whistle to use all the new, you know, language we have now, um, from the progressive left from, you know, it's, it's a slippery slope into woke progressivism. That's going to destroy, uh, all of the things this season, by the way, are going to destroy traditional family values somehow. So that's it is like somehow by caring about the environment, it's going to destroy the traditional family values. I will say it is a little different growing up in the Southwest um, in an area where droughts uh, affect our daily lives and we've had severe forest fires. When I grew up, you know, it was, we were much more concerned with um, water conservation and when you could and could not mow your grass, if you had grass and what sort of uh, landscaping you could use. So culturally there was, we were paying attention to things like water conservation and paying attention to things like whether or not it was going to start a forest fire. Some of those very tangible things that affected our daily lives. But as far as like, uh, don't use aerosols because it's going to destroy the ozone layer and other stuff like that, that was always thrown aside as like, eh, not a big deal. You know, we don't need to worry about it. And recently, um, to show kind of how this is in today's culture, uh, there have been some things I've been seeing on TikTok and just Twitter, social media, where a conservative will get on and say, Hey, you remember all the hysteria around the hole in the ozone layer? Where'd that go? You don't hear that anymore. And I heard one guy this week say, I never hear about it anymore, but it's all fear mongering to raise our taxes. And that that's the way climate change as a whole is positioned. And just for the record, the reason we don't hear about the ozone layer anymore is because governments and scientists from all around the world got together and said, Hey, there's a hole in the ozone layer. That's not good. Let's figure out how to fix it. So they banned the things that were causing the ozone layer. And for you people who are nerds and want to learn more about it, just look up the Montreal protocol on substances that deplete the ozone layer. And you can learn what those chemicals were and how it, how we stopped them and all that. But long story short, in the 35 years since that went into effect, nearly 2 million people have been saved from skin cancer. If we value life, that's a big deal. The global yep. temperature was kept from rising an additional one degree Celsius, which is a big deal. And the hole in the ozone layer is expected to be completely repaired by 2060, which is a big deal. It helps life and helps people live their life. And it helps people do what we were told to do in Genesis 128. And this is the whole point of today's episode. Because in Genesis 1, God gave humans our first commands. He said to fill the earth and quote, govern it. He said yes. to reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. So before the fall of man, before sin entered the world, we were told to take care of the planet and its inhabitants. So that's why as Christians, we have to care even if we're confused about what to do with that. But it's not that easy. I mean, because I, I would say, for any of you in our audience, you know, we, we were talking about this right before the show is like, there's probably audience members. You're in the conservative evangelical world. And that, that is just your viewpoint. And it's great. You already know this. And you might be scoffing back here and go, ah, oh, gosh, here we go. 
are these woke progressive guys talking about like you're already throwing us away in the hippie realm. But for some of you that are like, I don't know, I don't really like, yeah, it feels like, yes, there's something more we should be talking about here and doing, or at least exploring, but you're afraid to actually bring it up because in the environment, pun intended, that we're in, in the evangelical society, it's like, it's, it's tough to, to talk about it without immediately being labeled as something else. In the conservative evangelical church, if you bring up the climate, you are labeled as a progressive, unless you are a farmer. If you are a farmer, it's a totally different situation because farmers are uniquely aware at what's going on. Because we have to do this, Eric and I are both in marketing. I work with a company who is run by an Amish Mennonite family, and they sell equipment to help farmers do this really healthy, organic way of creating compost so they can have safer, more holistic farms and create better crops. So a couple years ago, they flew me, a white kid from the suburbs, out to middle of nowhere, Kansas, to one of their conferences to basically say, hey, can you come sit through this and help us teach this better to people? So for three days, I was around all these super conservative, politically, farmers who were so much smarter than I ever realized they were. Like, right. What they were doing on a daily basis blew my mind. I, I struggled to keep yeah. up the whole week. But what I did hear about the entire time was being against pesticides because of how they hurt the land, worrying mm-hmm. about the chemicals they put into the foods because it's hurting people and it's hurting our food supply. So these super conservative guys were worried about how we treat the planet, except they weren't labeled as tree hugging hippies because they were doing it different. So it's only within the conservative evangelical church that if you care about the planet, you are immediately labeled some progressive tree hugger. Yeah. And that's where I think that's the the mix is like, you're labeled that unless the issue affects you directly. Cause it's easy when we talk about the ozone layer or climate change, or, you know, it's easy to like lampoon that and make fun of it. But especially like here in the Southwest, when we're talking about uh, sections of the Rio Grande River have dried up for the first time in years, like that's a big deal. When the water table is so low, that's a big deal. When we had the largest is is so far down, Lake Mead is suffering. They're finding dead bodies in there that, you know, have been lost for years. Like we had the largest forest fire in the state's history this year, um, you know, because of the dry conditions. So now we can talk about those things because they physically affect us directly. But it's when you start to talk about this mysterious ozone layer, this inv- which is so ironic for, for what we believe as Christians, this unseen force that's protecting our, you know, it's like we can't <laughs> prove that it's there or disprove that it's there. It's like, obviously that's phony. But, you know, so the ozone layer, it's easy to go like, yeah, forget about the ozone layer. Forget about the trash. It's in some ocean somewhere that I don't have to worry about. But when it's in my backyard or when it affects the uh, the crops and the produce that I'm making, that's different. Hey, everyone. Before we get into the back half of this episode, I want to take a quick minute to tell you about a new podcast launching Monday, November 7th called Unlearning Church Staff. One of the biggest groups leaving Christianity is made up of former church staff, whether paid or volunteer. 
In this new show, I'll be interviewing different people each week and talking to them about how they left church staff without leaving their faith. A preview episode is already out wherever you get podcasts. Once this episode is over, go subscribe to that new show so you get the first episode when it comes out on November 7th. That's Unlearning Church Staff coming out Monday, November 7th. That's it for me. Now we'll get back to this week's episode. If you're new with us, the way we do this every week is we introduce the topic like we are right now. We're going to find the good, we're going to unlearn the bad, and then we're going to figure out where to go from here. And I think the best way to talk about and to sum up what so many of us were taught in the evangelical church growing up can be summed up by one of the stars of this season, Dr. Jerry Falwell, star leader and founder of The Moral Majority. Friend of the show at this point. He's, you know, regu- he's a, he's a regular. <laughs> You might as well be like Ed McMahon or Johnny Carson or uh, something like that. He's always on the show now. Uh, back in the, I think it was, this was early 2000s, he said in a sermon, the fact is it's all phony baloney. The fluctuation of temperatures is real and the temperatures have risen somewhat the last few years. This is cyclical and has been since God created the earth. Now, how long will the earth remain? It will remain until the new heavens and the new earth come. And that won't happen until, well, over in the last two chapters of the Bible, after the tribulation, after the thousand-year reign of Christ, then new heavens and new earth. Why? Because the former things are passed away. The earth will go up in dissolution from severe heat. The environmentalists will really be shook up then because God is going to blow it all away and bring down new heavens and new earth. We should certainly pick up trash. We ought to beautify the earth as best we can. We ought to keep the streams clean, but we shouldn't be hugging trees and worshiping the creation more than we worship the creator. And that's what global warming is all about. In that quote, it just strikes me how, uh, and I, I've I've been more aware of this recently, obviously, but it's like to see where it's like, oh yeah, the environment will be really shook up. Then it's like, why why do Christians and preachers and uh, why is there got to be a gotcha to the people on the other side? Like the Earth is going to burn up, and guess what? All those pinko environmentalists are really going to be shook up. It's like, dude. What, what's your mentality when your main thing is like, a, we're going to stick it to the libs? Like, that's just, it just doesn't seem very fruit of the spirit to me. And I think ultimately where, what Dr. Falwell's quote encompasses is that sarcastic dismissiveness of all of yes. it. Yeah, we yes. should do this, this, and this, but man, those people that are taking it too far, they're just crazy. We don't want to yes. be associated with that. Uh, but similar to what we've been talking about politically here, where it's like, we should, you know what? We should love our homosexual neighbors, but we're not going to let them get married, right? Oh, yeah, we're going to love our our black and brown neighbors, but we're not going to let them have equal rights and acknowledge that there's been, you know, there's been system, systemic racism. It's a general sarcastic, like, yeah, we'll we'll agree up to a point, but then they slough off the real issues. Yeah, and I think most of us, I know for me, that was the attitude I had towards global warming until a couple years ago when someone mentioned the idea that, Hey, before the fall, one of the first things we were supposed to do is take care of the planet. And I was like, huh? Okay. So with that in mind, what did we get right in this teaching? This like, yeah, care about things to a point, but don't go too far. What what was the good intention underlying that approach? Uh, I mean, this is one where I struggle. I know there's been some uh, this season where it's like, you've been like, I really can't find anything. And then I'll be like, all right, well, do- to play devil's advocate here, 
Um, on this one, I think like the main, I know there's some others, but like those are stretches for me. This is the only one I can think of is like, yes, we should not make the earth an idol. We should not make those things an idol. And um, should earth, the earth and nature take precedence over human beings? No, right? You know, we are, God still gave us the earth to enjoy and have dominion over. Um, but like, that's as far as I can get on giving what's the good intention is like, yeah, don't make it a God thing. Don't make it an idol. Um, and I think there is a bit of paganism that comes in there, especially being here in the Southwest. There is a lot of like nature worship and worshiping Mm -hmm. gods related to nature. So I get that line of drawing that of going like, okay, we're not going to make a deity out of the earth at the same time. It's like, that seems like a real thin string to, to, to carry the weight of this dismissiveness. Yeah. And that's, that was the hard part about what guys like Falwell and MacArthur, they do, because I think there's some truth in the things that they say. Like when Dr. Falwell said, we ought to beautify the earth as best we can keep the streams clean, but not worship creation more than the creator. I think that's a healthy approach to viewing nature and the earth, because like you said, it's very tempting to focus more on what we get than who we actually are. And we can worship as humans. We see this all around. Our worship is very fleeting. It is very easy for us to create false idols and to worship things that we shouldn't. That's the whole reason we're doing a political, political season here, but we can't be totally dismissive. And I also think John MacArthur was right where he said the earth is cursed. I mean, in Genesis three, Verse 17, it says, all the ground is cursed because of you. That's a legit theological piece that the earth is cursed, but it doesn't stop there. So the good intention was that it's cursed. But what he did was he he allowed his theology to stop there because stopping there matched his political belief. The other place I think like the Falwells and the MacArthur's got it right was that the temperature of the earth has traditionally been cyclical. The USDA on their official governmental website says that there are shorter cold weather, cold to warm cycles that occur on an approximately 200 to 1500 year time scales. The mechanisms that cause these cycles are not completely understood, but are thought to be driven by changes in the sun along with this, with several corresponding changes such as ocean circulation patterns. So if the USDA is saying these things are not completely understood and they are cyclical. That should tell us that we're not going to fully understand it. Yeah. So I think there is a piece to it there. If I'm being gracious and trying to find the good that these guys got right and that this is cyclical and that we don't fully understand what is causing it. Yeah. I think that's the difference in like, you know, not that everybody would agree, but I think, I think for the most part, most people would say climate change is real. You know, if we said, Hey, do we believe that climate change is real? You probably have a, a, a plurality of people. Most people would say yes. Do, or do you believe that the, the climate the ones is who would say no are hardcore white evangelical Christians? Yeah. They're the, they're the ones who would even deny the fact that climate change exists. Yeah. I mean, like you can even like show a graph. Hey, over time, here's what the basic does the climate change over time. Yes. Is, is man the primary cause of climate change? I think that's where you'd have some, some big disagreement. And then finally we go, 
can we agree on what we need to do about it? That's where it would be like, no, there's no agreement there. So I think that that's where we break down. If we can all say, what's the good? We can come back to like, okay, we agree that climate change is happening for the most part. But I think where it starts to break down from there is like, how do we handle that? You know, and I think that's more than probably anything else we've talked about this this season. Uh, you know, it there isn't really clear um, consensus in the scientific community, consensus anywhere on like what are human beings' role in that, and how what how do we need to respond? And I think that's where that's where we have the good view of being able to stand back and go, all right, just because A is true does not naturally mean we need to do X, Y, and Z. Like we don't need to start drinking out of paper straws or X, you know, whatever. Like God, we don't agree to that. So I think that's where we're coming back to is like, yep, we get it. Climate change is happening, but what happens is, which we'll get into the bad, but what happens is instead of saying, hey, we're not really sure the right way to go, we know we, like like we said, we know we need to take dominion, take care of the earth. What does that practically mean? If, if Falwell and MacArthur would just say, I don't really know, and we're going to learn along, but here's the guardrails. We're not going to make it an idol. You know, we're not going to sacrifice human life for environmental life, you know, those sorts of things. But instead we, you know, go off into like the, the side where we want to throw it away because we're afraid of the implication of agreeing with climate science. We're scared to agree with someone across the political aisle, even if it's only part of what they say. Yep. Exactly. And that leads us perfectly into what was bad about this approach in the same sermon. I quoted from Dr. Falwell. He said that focusing on global warming would distract from quote, reaching the masses of souls for Christ because our attention will be elsewhere and that that would be, quote, pretty wise for Satan to concoct. So basically, he's implying that we can't focus on taking care of our creation, which is a command from God, while also spreading the gospel, another command from God. He's basically saying if we fo- if we turn our focus to taking care of the planet, that is a distraction from Satan to keep us from saving souls. Which falls in line with a lot of other problems that we've had here in the evangelical church, that line of thinking, I, I wish I wish I had a name for it, but that line of thinking of, you know, false dichotomy, which is really kind of what the logical fallacy is we're talking about. That's a problem because it's like, uh, Jesus calls us to speak the truth in love. Well, everyone knows that for the most part, any talking head that's religious online is going to say, well, you, you know, we can't be too loving because then we're not truthful. And it's like, it's going to distract us from speaking the truth. And you're just like, oh, gosh. if we care about <laughs> racial reconciliation, that's going to take us away from the gospel. Yes. If we, or, oh, if we, if we care focus about on going this back, or that, we fix the system, whatever it is. You're right. It's like, it will take our focus off of something else that they deem more important. It's just asinine that, that we would get into that logically, you know, fallacious mind mindset. And, and all it does is it just helps us to, dismiss issues because we won't don't want to deal with them or because we don't want, we don't like the ramifications of what would happen if we deal with them. And it doesn't make sense either because caring more for the cre- for our creation now than we have in the past would actually open up an entire group of people to hearing the gospel that otherwise think we're hypocrites. I see these conservative Republican evangelicals starting to care about the planet. Like what's up with that? Well, you know, actually God tells us to care for the planet and yep. to to take care and to harvest over it and to have dominion over it. So if he told us to care about that, then man, I think we should. 
well, that's an interesting approach. Mm-hmm. And then we get to talk about the gospel. But yep. because we're so scared of being labeled progressives or hippies or tree huggers, then we think it's a this false dichotomy of either spread the gospel or care about the planet as if yep. we aren't intelligent enough to do both. Right. And it just tells on you that that means that you don't have that capacity within yourself in other areas. You just exposed your lack of the ability to sit in the nuance of the discussion. Yes. And another piece of that nuance, and this is what I mentioned earlier about MacArthur, he chose to focus on the idea that the earth is cursed. Right. Because that fit his political beliefs. But if we want to sit in the nuance, if we really want to get into the weeds of this, Romans 8 says that for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from earth and decay. Mm. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. So the earth never wanted to be cursed. That was a result of sin. And so then we go to Colossians 1. For all, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So mm-hmm. we get this picture of through Jesus, he is trying to restore and redeem everything. And that part of that, I have to believe, is restoring the earth, yes. knowing full well it is cursed. It will never get to where it should be until sin is removed, new heaven is brought down. But that doesn't mean we don't work towards that while knowing that it's never going to be fully complete. That's the nuance and the tension we have to live in. Yep. And then if I want to take it one step further, Matthew, the Beatitudes says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So Jesus himself encourages those who thirst for righteousness. And I believe many of us have this incorrect view of righteousness. We think righteousness is a spiritual maturity or something like that. But in the book, The Gospel According to Jesus, pastor and author Chris C., it's either Chris C. or Chris C., I honestly don't know. He argues that seeking his righteousness is about being an active agent for his restorative justice in all of creation. So if we are seeking actual righteousness, We are seeking to make things right the way they were before sin. If we hunger and thirst for that righteousness, if we hunger and thirst for the way things were before sin entered the world, we will be filled or we will be satisfied depending on the translation you use. I think the thing is like, I don't know if you've heard about this. I mean, you probably have, but like there are a lot of times when we are growing up, we we hear a sin being described as a disease or being um, analogous to like cancer, you know, it infects you and it, and it, and it destroys you type of thing. And then I think about the same thing, like going all the way back to uh, what was it? The original matrix, right? Do you remember when uh, I think it was uh, whoever the agent Smith or whoever it was, was like talking to my philosophy professor in college used clips from the matrix every single day to teach us philosophy. So, right. So do you remember agent, it was agent Smith, right? Hugo uh, Weaving's character, whatever it was. And he, and you know, he's sitting there talking to Morpheus and he's talking about how humans, cause he's this robot or this computer program. He's talking about how humans are a disease and how they spread and like a parasite. And it's like, 
if you're not an, and, and it puts it in perspective for me, if we are not an active agent in restoring the creation that God has created, God created all of this in six days, right? And then he gives it to us. And now what are we doing? We're destroying it. And it's like, how do you not also see the parallels of uh, God gives us a plan for our lives and we think sin is the thing, you know, when we sin, we're destroying it, but we'll preach big time about the sin part, but not necessarily about the same thing of like, this is God, God created the heavens and the earth and he gave it to us. If someone gave you something precious, wouldn't you want to take care of it and not have this like flippant, dismissive, sarcastic view of it? We, we look at disobeying God's commands as sinful when it comes to all these other things. Yep. All the things that other people do. Yeah. <laughs> all the things that, that those bad people do. Right. But when it comes to take dominion over the earth and care for the planet, oh, well, the earth is cursed and it doesn't matter. So if I break mm-hmm. that commandment and don't care, then it's not sinful. Which is the same thing of like, when you have someone that's left the church and they've been hurt by the church, and then your your first reaction is, uh, well, you know, no church is perfect. <laughs> okay, okay. All you're doing is just defending instead of stepping in to fix things or like, you know, talking about racism. And it's like, well, you know, I've got plenty of black friends. You know, it's like, oh, God. <laughs> like none of that line of thinking is actually helpful for the conversation at hand. And so, oh, the earth is cursed or, oh, you know, we've been g- given dominion or, or, you know, God is going to make all things new eventually. So what does it matter? It's like, that's just a terrible line. of thinking. And the interesting thing to me is that this flippant, dismissive, sarcastic approach is the go-to approach for anything that we don't fully understand. Yep. And I, or is inconvenient to us. Correct. Yeah. Or we don't want to deal with. Yeah. Because I mean, We've mentioned all the other issues, and this is a climate change episode, but you can see how this posture of flippant, dismissive, sarcastic responses actually play out to all of these other issues that we've talked about this season. If it doesn't affect me, or if it's going to inconvenience my life, I'm going to be flippant and dismissive towards all of it because it doesn't really matter. But what we do with that when we take that approach, especially if we're going to keep this on topic, when we take that approach to taking care of God's creation and helping restore it back to how it was created, we're dismissing what Christians are called to do because of the restoration and reconciliation Jesus provides. When we're dismissive and flippant about racial reconciliation, we are dismissive about the restoration and reconciliation that Jesus provides when we're flippant about fill in the blank here. Yeah. We are dismissive about the restoration and reconciliation that Jesus came to provide that I quoted the verse earlier, but if it's inconvenient to us, it's easy to be flippant about. Which is so weird because like this, this brings up to me a lot of the same type of mentality that you have or the people who would, you know, be in the personal responsibility crowd or like the make your bed every morning, you know, crowd, that sort of thing. It seems very hypocritical in this spot to advocate for personal responsibility, advocate for like taking care of that, because it's like we talked about before, especially on that, that opportunity for evangelism. If we aren't responsible for the earth that God has given us dominion over, like our very first job, then what does that say about the rest of the things that we're called to do? 
So if you're the type of person that is big in, well, people need to take personal responsibility and people need to own up and they need to, they need to pay their debts, right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If you're into that sort of thing, but then you're going, wait a minute, but you've been given something to, to take, to take care of that God gave us as our first essential commandment, right? Uh, then what does that say about the other things that God has told us to do? If you're not going to take care of that, then, you know, if you're not, if you're not faithful in the small things, which taking care of the earth is a pretty big thing, but if you're not, if you're not faithful in the small things, how are you going to be faithful in the bigger things? We'll get back to that conversation in just a second. Hey, Jonathan, do you know what happens when two white dudes with opinions gather? Oh, they start a podcast. They start a podcast. And you know what happens when two white dudes start a podcast? They release merch. It's as inevitable as deciding to put I Survive Purity Culture on a cropped hoodie. You can get your merch at unlearningyouthgroup.com. If you have any ideas for new merch, you can let us know by emailing us at hello at unlearningyouthgroup.com. Pick up a shirt, pick up a crop top, a tank top, and more today. Let's get back to the conversation. Okay, so by this point, we've made the argument that we have to care. Mm-hmm. That that's the basic thesis. We have yep. to care about the planet. Climate change is real. So what do we do? And I think the hardest part of today's episode is that I have to admit, I don't know. I don't know what we do. I know we're supposed to care about creation. I know things will never be perfect until Jesus establishes the new heaven, but I don't know what, the best route to take to take care of the planet is I know it's not drinking through paper straws and plastic cups. I I know for a fact it's not paper straws. So we can get rid of that mess right here. But I don't know big picture. It's not like I can say, hey Christians, we should all advocate for this policy or that policy. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I I agree on that one. This is a, a spot where I don't know. And I think maybe the maybe the most important thing is for all of us to be able to say that. So wherever you're at, if you're if you're driving, if you're listening to us in the shower, if whatever, like we're, we're going to get back weird. to church. Let, well, it might be, but you know, you know, you are okay. I will say this: do this, just like we would do in, in old school church. Repeat after me. I turn to your neighbor and say, yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't know, and turn to your other neighbor and say, and you don't know either. You know, whatever. I think the important part is to be okay with saying, I don't know. I think that approaching this topic with humility that says, I'm willing to explore some things that are outside of my immediate experience. I'm willing to approach this conversation open-handed because when there are things where it's like, I don't know, a lot of times as evangelical conservative and evangelical Christians, our first reaction is to default to, I don't know, but I'm not going to change the things that are inconvenient. Because it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter or whatever, instead of, I don't know. And I'm going to be open to the possibility, um, or I'm going to default to someone that may know, and let's try and figure that out too. So I, I think that's, that's spot on is being able to say, I don't know, and being comfortable with it and saying, I don't know. And when you first hear someone talk about climate change and what we need to do, instead of going, uh, insert all the derogatory comments about that person, stop and say, you know what? I don't know enough about that topic. I'm going to listen to what they have to say, and I'm going to use some discernment to figure out if there's any good. I'm going to find the good in that statement and figure out where we can go from here. 
you sent me something this week as we were prepping for this episode from John Piper when he was asked this question. Can you talk about that? Because I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I love this analogy too. So um, John Piper was talking about it. I, uh, I think, what is it? Desiring God, right? That's his thing. Yeah. Um, and he was just responding to it. And his response was really great because he said, basically the analogy is we should take care of the earth the same way we should take care of our bodies. Because it's like, what should we do to take care of this thing that eventually is going to burn up and rot away or is eventually going to be restored? Well, God says almost the exact same thing about our bodies, right? This, this tent that is here temporarily, our bodies are not us. Our bodies are the dwelling place for ourselves. That's, you know, that that's the dwelling place for our soul. And so in the same way, the earth, it, it's, it's the, it's this earthly tent. It's not heaven. It's not the new earth where we're going to live with God for all of eternity, but it's something that we need to take care of. And I wonder if the Venn diagram of people who don't care about taking care of their bodies and don't care about taking care of the earth are very close to being a circle because it's like, if you have a problem (laughs) with taking care of your own body in the same way, um, or don't want to do anything about it, you probably also don't get this analogy here. So it, um, you know, the, neither the, the dissolution of the body or the earth makes them worthless. Now we still need to use them and we still need to take care of them as long as we can, because I don't think any of us would say like, you know what? I'm not going to take care of my body because I want to, you know, uh, because I'm okay I'm with die anyway. So might as well eat what I want now. Yeah, exactly. Like you're not going to do that. You want to live as long as you possibly can. And even more so you want to have your body in a good enough condition that you can spend valuable time with people and that you're not going to be a burden to society. You're not going to receive those liberal government handouts because you're sitting on a ventilator. You know, like you don't want any of that stuff. You're going to take care of yourself in the same way we want to do the same thing uh, with the earth because our, our body is a gift from God. The earth is a precious gift from God as well. Yeah. Uh, I read on a, a quote from that Piper thing. He said, they will both die, but both are precious gifts of God now. Yeah. The reason they're precious is that both the body and the earth are meant to serve the fullness of Christ exalting God glorifying life. Yep. So I think that shows we have to care. We can't be flippant about the entire thing. The climate is changing. The earth is warming. We're seeing weather disasters and we're seeing diseases in a way we've never seen before because of this. But I don't know how we fix it. And a couple of the things that if this is one of your pet issues, or if you've dove into this, you probably probably are thinking, all right, well, Jonathan, we can do renewable energy. Okay. Renewable energy is a great place to start, but is that wind, solar, or nuclear? Because I know well-meaning people on both sides of the political aisle who are way smarter than me. Some think nuclear, some think wind and solar, and they both have great arguments. And I don't know what best we see examples of wind and solar in Europe. We see examples of nuclear in Europe, but I don't know which one's the best. Regardless though, of which method you think is best, I would argue that taking care of the planet and making sure your candidates vote for something that is on that side of the things is a good thing. I'd argue Mm. that one way to care for the planet is by making sure the candidates you vote for are pushing for some type of renewable energy policy. I might not agree with that renewable energy policy, but at least they're caring about it. 
if a candidate is being completely flippant and dismissive about the environment, then as a Christian, that should raise a major concern for you. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know why this analogy popped in my head, but it's very similar to what we've been talking about here. But like when you talk about if you've ever heard this about a restaurant is like you go in, you check and see how clean their bathrooms are. You know, it's like that's going to give you an indication on how they treat the food, how they treat their kitchen, how they treat their hand washing, other things like that. And so it's like you need to have a little bit of an indication on how does this candidate feel about the things that are important? And so you may or may not agree with the candidate. I agree with like that, but it's like politically are, or even at your church, it are people in, in power completely flippant and dismissive of this because it doesn't seem like it's a big core issue. Well, the way that they're going to approach that very similar to making your bed, very similar to the bathroom kitchen analogy might give you indications on, on whether or not they're cutting corners in other ways of things that God has given us uh, to lord over, dominion over, or or steward well. Here's one that trips me up and throws my brain for a loop. What about the food we eat and the way it's created? Going back to those farmers and the composting company, like I didn't realize the chemicals we put into growing food was so harmful to our body and the environment. I didn't yep. realize that the runoff from those chemicals into the water supply, how much it pollutes the soil and it pollutes things downstream. I didn't realize how hard it was to go from a normal farm to an organic farm, that it's a three-year process at minimum to make that shift. So should we only be eating organic food because we know they're not using like harmful pesticides or chemicals or whatever like that? That's super convenient or so super inconvenient and really expensive. Is that what we're supposed to do? I don't know. And they don't taste as good as cosmic brownies, but the things that go into cosmic brownies aren't good for right. them. Well, and this whole conversation, you know, going back to, we need to mention at least once an episode, right? You mentioned that we're marketers and I think the whole climate change issue has been very, uh, very poorly communicated because organic foods. Uh, there, there's a lot when you look into that and you go, some of those labels don't mean what you think they mean. And just because something says it's organic doesn't necessarily mean one thing or the other. The other thing too, you know, we've gotten our notes here is like, what about the cars, electric cars? When you have someone, uh, like currently as we record, California has outlawed, uh, gas powered vehicles by 20, 30 something. Right. And immediately already with people in my life, the conversation is like, well, that's stupid because, uh, you know, that's not what. They're all running on fossil fuels anyway, and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you miss fossil the, fuels fuel the power grid. Right. You mi- but you miss that conversation of like, I understand why that's happening. It's very similar to when John F. Kennedy says, we're going to go to the moon by the end of the decade. And the NASA scientists are sitting around going, the heck we are. What do you mean we're going <laughs> to go to the moon? We don't have any of the technology. You know, we've got the, the technology we have in those rockets is only enough to run like a calculator, not even a graphing calculator. What are you talking about? But you set those goals out there to say, okay, we, we've set a deadline so that we can outlaw the use of these fossil fuels leading up to it. But they don't. But right now, the power grid them. couldn't handle if we all moved to electric cars. Even in California, they're having issues keeping the lights on. Exactly. And they don't communicate that well to say, hey, we are setting a goal out here so that our scientists and so that the entrepreneurs and so that the innovators will figure out ways 
to make it better before we get there. And so then it's just taken and it's just spun by the political leaders. And now all of a sudden it's a, it's a big Democrat conspiracy and they're stupid and they don't follow the science. And then we flush that science down the, down the drain and the same thing. Then we flush the COVID science down the drain. Then we flush everything that, and now there's, we just can't respect anyone because it's communicated so poorly. That's a whole different episode that I could get on a soapbox on, but that's why we do that for a job and we do this for a hobby. That's right. As we finish this up, I don't have a nice pretty bow to put on this episode. I can't tell you exactly what you should do moving forward. Like Eric was just saying, the policy around climate change is highly, highly politicized and it's hard to read through. It's hard to find the truth. Like, is this the best? Is that the best? I don't know. I work in marketing. I have a seminary degree. I am not a scientist. I'm not a climate scientist. I'm not an engineer. Understanding these things is ridiculously hard. And I think we can acknowledge, if I were to put a bow on this, I think the bow would be, we have to get to the point to where we can say, this is important and I don't know what to do. Will you educate me? Yep. And when it comes to our politics, we have to be putting pressure on the candidates we support to at least care about this issue. I'm not telling you what caring looks like because I don't know. I'm not telling you the policies because I don't know. But if your preferred candidate is dismissive and flippant about the entire idea of caring for the planet, then that should cause a red flag going up for you. That's a place of concern because that does not line up with what God calls us to do. So again, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm only going to tell you that there are things that God tells us to care about and we can apply how we care about those things differently to government because Mm -hmm. there are going to be multiple ways to approach this. And being open to that does not mean any other ramification for you politically. And if you are using that as a weapon to attack people who say, Hey, I, I would like a candidate to care about climate change or if even worse, which I don't think it's necessarily in this topic, but if you're using that to tell someone that they're not a Christian or that they're not a whatever, if you're labeling them based on this idea, I'm going to point at you and say, I think you are wrong in that mindset. Yes. If you're on the left, you can't deify the climate and elevate it above the creator. If you're on the right, you can't ignore what's going on and deliberately throw up middle fingers to own the libs because you don't like the people on the other side. Those two things cannot happen. We have to care about the creation. We cannot deify the creation and we cannot dismiss it either. We have to care about it. How we care about it. Let's go eat a cheeseburger and talk about that because that's, it's only going to happen over discussions and honest conversations, trying to learn and figure this out together. Mm -hmm. So that's it for this week. Next week, we are closing out season five with an overarching view about how we discuss politics with those around us. Is there a Christian approach to how we view governing and political discussions? We'll talk more about what that looks like moving forward next week. For now, though, go ahead and subscribe to the show, rate it and review it wherever you get podcasts. Share this episode with a friend if you found it interesting. One of the cool things we have heard is that there are a ton of parents listening to this with their kids. 
and having the discussion. So thank you for doing that. If you think this would help your parents, share it with them. If you think this will help your kid, share it with them. That I That's some of the best feedback we can get. But if you do have feedback, if you do have questions, you can get in touch with us at hello at unlearningyouthgroup.com. Eric is at ericw712 on all the major platforms, and I am at Jonathan underscore Corone on them as well. As always, thanks for making us a part of your day, and we'll talk to you again next week. I don't care who you are, what you believe, what side of the political aisle you're on. Can we all agree that if you're like in your 30s, maybe a little older, that Captain Planet, that cartoon slapped. I mean, that opening, I don't know if you ever listened, Earth, Fire, Wind, Water, Heart, Go Planet. Captain Planet, he's our hero, gonna take pollution down to zero, he's a powers magnified, and he's fighting on the planet side. The power is yours. <laughs> Jordy LaForge voiced that one of those characters, you know that? Kunta Kinte from Roots. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. You good? <laughs> I don't know, man. That I love that cartoon. It was, I was good. All about it. Can I press stop now? Yeah. Okay. Damn, I'm glad I ain't making high, high, high school. Cause my best days will be.